Well, good day, church. This is Pastor Scott. And this is Kevin. And we are back with another edition here of the post-sermon wrap-up podcast here to break down part one of our study through Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22, uh, called Together in Christ. So, Pastor Kevin, you uh, really uh, set this up. Well, uh, it's a passage that has a lot of depth to it, a lot of background to it, as you discussed on uh, Sunday, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but I want to just maybe jump right in and uh, just speak a little bit to your introduction um, that really set the stage for this, because we're thinking mm-hmm. about um, relationships and talking about okay. um, yeah. talk about how um, our ability to solve uh what we would maybe call social problems yes um as good as they are are insufficient um so you had mentioned you know the problem of fatherless households you know yes. uh-huh. about if we were to alleviate <clears throat> fatherless homes right restore fathers all to their homes in the rightful place you know that's a good thing that's a great thing yeah and yet it falls short yeah you know if you were to you know have all the what we would quote say right politics in place yeah. right policies <laughs> right policies it yeah. still falls short so maybe just explain a little bit more because there's probably some people that might raise some eyebrows for i was very thankful for it because it's kind of just related to a little bit of the world we live in right now but um just maybe talk about what you mean especially as it relates to ephesians chapter 2 and what paul's talking about in this passage yeah I just think it's tempting. It's always tempting to focus on the externals, you know. Um, I I think of that passage in Samuel where uh, Samuel tells, uh, or God tells Samuel, you know, that man looks on outward appearance, but mm-hmm. God looks at the heart. So we're always going to be tempted to focus more on outward appearances or mm-hmm. external answers to things. Mm-hmm. And so we think, well, if we could just get the right laws, mm-hmm. or if I could just. Um, find someone with the right personality, mm-hmm. then then that would resolve all this conflict, whatever mm-hmm. that conflict might be, as as you know, severe as war mm-hmm. and as, you know, small as just, you know, uh relational conflict between a neighbor or something mm-hmm. like that. But the point is that um the reason that we fight is sin. You know, mm-hmm. I referenced James chapter four, maybe that'd be a good thing just to remind us of James chapter four, verse mm-hmm. one says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among mm-hmm. you? And you expect, you know, the person to say, well, uh, differences in personality, difference in background, difference mm-hmm. in ethnicity, <clears throat> difference in, uh, you know, I was raised, I, I wasn't given the privileges that another mm-hmm. person was given. That's what causes the fights. And, and, mm-hmm. and James goes on and says, no, no, no. Is it not this, that your passions Mm. Your evil desires, yeah. your sinful desires are at war within you. So you fight with others because you have warring desires in your heart. You mm-hmm. desire and you do not have, so you murder, you covet, you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. He goes on. He, he's just making this point that the problem is always a matter of the heart. And the only solution for a sinful heart mm-hmm. is the work of Jesus. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it really is fascinating, right? Like just, we are, you know, we talk about this a lot with 
with kids, right? Because it's always just there's always just such a quick to to blame on the other person, and yeah. it's always just those teaching opportunities. Okay, like what's what's actually going on with your heart? Yeah. In a situation, <laughs> right? Because reality is, you're always going to be around difficult people, difficult situations. You know, this even is, big kids struggle with know, that. That's not just little kids. Yeah, and that's true. Big kids do. Yeah. Yeah, it's like we have that log in the eye that, that we're yeah. always worried about the speck in our neighbor's eye. It's like. I got to get this two by four out of my yeah. own eye first here. But again, know? it's it's also I mean this is a this is a worldview lens to think through, right? When I mean the, let's just face it, when we get all emotionally charged up around election season, sure. right? Yeah. And we suddenly are starting to look as if you know our hope is really set on the right president getting put into place and the right um, Congress and putting the right things in place because then then everything is going to be yeah. the way that God would want it to be and. God's probably just laughing at us in those moments, like, like we, we, this. We're not trying to clean the outside of the cup here, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, just a really a timely thing. And so the the passage that we're getting into here, this oneness in Christ that Ephesians yep. two eleven through twenty two is going to talk about, is just how you know. Again, you've you've set up Ephesians well in the sense of like talking about this individual salvation that God has brought into our lives and now what that is starting to look like what that means for our uh relational oneness right yeah. so he's made us first one with himself and now what does that actually mean for all other Christians and really relationships with people and so it's fascinating it really is <laughs> and so a lot of the background and the language that he's using here you mentioned is really is really picturesque of the temple in Old Testament Israel, you know, yeah. Paul had just, you know, he had a lot of background um, with the religious elite back in before his conversion. You know, he was the, you know, who's who of uh, of Israel. So he would have certainly yeah. <clears throat> resonated with he this type of Jew language of the here. Jews. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, you presented uh, for people kind of some pictures and illustrations of the temple, what that would have looked like. I mean, you know, think of like a bullseye, right? And mm -hmm. just kind of like those concentric circles that go further yep. and further towards the center, which is God's presence himself, right? And so you had the court of the Gentiles, you had the court of the women, you had the court of the, the men in Israel, and then the place where only the priests could go. Yeah. You know, there's some there was some strong language that was used, uh, especially on those warning signs for those barriers where Gentiles were not supposed to cross into. Right. And, you know, for for people who maybe were listening on Sunday thinking through like, you know, there's sometimes this you probably can resonate with this, right? This this idea of uh we think of like an old testament God that's like angry okay, and yep, unloving yep, and whatnot yep. and you know was was he the one who's like setting up these parameters is he the one who's you know endorsing this hostility yeah towards the uh towards the gentiles and then yet you know here in christ it's oh well christ has broken down that hostility right. you know and so help us maybe just think about like what what was god doing and how he set that up and yeah. how that's being practiced yeah. So, uh, boy, this is a really good question because it, it really, it really, from a big picture, it's like, what was the purpose of the, mm -hmm. of God's distinctives of, of, you know, from the, all the ways that he wanted his people to be different from all the nations. Mm -hmm. So God, remember the history here. Uh, God chose Abraham and Abraham's descendants mm -hmm. among all the people of the earth to be his special people, to his chosen people. Mm -hmm. And his desire was that 
his chosen people would then be a witness of Christ, of God to the entire world. Mm -hmm. So he, he saved them, he redeemed them from Egypt, you know, and he gave them his law. So his law was never the basis for their identity. Mm -hmm. It was to be the distinctives of how they lived mm -hmm. after they were saved so that they would be set apart different or consecrated unto God mm -hmm. in a way that would attract the nations to him. Mm -hmm. But what does a sinful heart do that always focuses on externals? <laughs> mm -hmm. they, they take what is supposed to be our attractive distinctives mm -hmm. and turn them into the very basis of our identity from which then we judge and repel others. Yeah. And that's exactly what the Jews did. So God had all these um, sacrificial systems, all of these holy barriers, all of these special distinctives, special food. A Jew could not eat with a Gentile. Mm -hmm. a, uh, a Jew could not eat certain foods that the Gentiles ate. They could not. They had all these laws so that the people of God would be different, distinct from the rest of the nations as an expression of their love for Christ, mm -hmm. which would then draw others to, but, but the solution of man's sin could not be covered by the blood of animals. Mm -hmm. And so all of those animal sacrifices, all that law was pointing to something greater, which is mm -hmm. finally fulfilled in Christ. Mm -hmm. And that breaks down all of these external distinctives, all of these ceremonies and, mm -hmm. um, religious traditions that only end up being proud <laughs> judgments against mm -hmm. people. God breaks that all down in Christ and says, uh, come and be one as mm -hmm. my own people. Yeah. So it's very clear to, to like understand the unfolding of God's redemptive plan here as if uh, this is not like two different gods, right? No, this no, is no. not like as if like his plans changed, right? But this has always been his plan to to reveal himself and to, for lack of better words, to graft in the, the yeah. Gentiles into his saving plan through Christ. Um, it was never the intention that um, the Jewish people would so focus on these external mm -hmm. distinctives as that they would make them the basis of their identity. Mm -hmm. But that's what they did. Remember when Jesus mm -hmm. was... Uh, 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 you know, basically tongue lashing the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's like, you guys strain at a gnat and mm -hmm. you swallow a camel. In other words, their emphasis was on the wrong syllable. Mm -hmm. You know, they're all about, you know, um, how much of a particular spice they mm -hmm. would tithe back to the temple mm -hmm. and measuring that to the latest ounce, even while they're, they're failing in mercy and, and, mm -hmm. and judgments. And so, so I think the problem with the law was not in God's side. Mm -hmm. It was in the human sinful heart that always takes and puts the emphasis on externals mm. and says, this is going to now be that what keeps me holy is because now I'm circumcised. Mm -hmm. Now I'm uh, wearing the right clothes. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to the right place. I can go farther than others into the temple. So see, mm -hmm. look at me. And, and that's exactly what Christ does away with. So speaking there of those externals, and you've mentioned that boasting and circumcision, you were making a, a point on Sunday um, as really how you know circumcision was an outward sign of a relationship with God, which yeah. that's a very, it was an interesting way that you were saying it because naturally for 
maybe people in the audience, including myself, as I hear that language, I'm like, that sounds a lot like baptism, uh-huh. right? As well, what we think about with with baptism, and so I thought it would be just appropriate as we think about, you know, we're talking about Jew Gentile relationship. We're thinking about, you know, what's what's new, what's old, what's 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 normal here, and so yeah. how do we how do we think about what baptism is, maybe in relationship to what circumcision is? Is is baptism the new circumcision uh, for for God's people, or is it something different? Good question. So um, let's start by going to Romans chapter two. Um, in Romans two twenty five to twenty nine, I want to just read that because this is talking about circumcision, mm-hmm. and it's it's really an important framework for us as we think about the sign of the covenant, okay? So circumcision was the Mm -hmm. sign of the Mosaic covenant for God's people. And so here you have Romans 2, 25. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. Okay, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. What he's saying here is, how did Jesus summarize the entire law? Love for God and love for others, right? Yep. So the whole law is summed up in one word, love. And so he says, if, if your circumcision, your external cutting off, if, that, if, that is a, is that a, if that's a representation mm-hmm. that you've been cut off from sin and your love for God, mm-hmm. um, then, then that's a value to you. But if you break the law, if, you, if you're not at all interested in love, mm-hmm. then it says your circumcision actually becomes uncircumcision. He goes on. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? <laughs> you know? In other words, he's, Paul is really He's arguing. acting like somebody who would be. He's yeah. like, really, mm-hmm. don't worry so much about the external mm-hmm. sign. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's supposed to be what's going on in the heart. Then mm-hmm. verse 27, then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision, but you break the law. Now, verse 28, for no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly. Mm. Nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart mm-hmm. by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. And so here you can see Paul's commentary is really like, hey, the Jewish people missed this. They totally put the mm-hmm. emphasis on the wrong syllable. They, they got it all focused on, hey, if you go to chapter 4, we learn about Abraham there. He was saved before he was circumcised. So circumcision was just mm-hmm. a, supposed to be an external representation of an internal reality. Circumcision mm-hmm. had to do with identifying people mm-hmm. with the old covenant, with the Mosaic law, saying we are now the people of God. But it, circumcision was never, ever mm-hmm. the sign of salvation. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. And I mean, you mentioned before here of Abraham in uh, yeah, Romans 4, 4, 11, he received the sign of circumcision. I'm sorry, verse 10. How was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised, right? So yeah. think about when was Abraham declared righteous by God? It was when yeah. he put his faith in him, right? Yeah. So God didn't care about the sign as it related to his relationship before, right? It was right. that it was a sign of it after. So we think about, yeah, baptism, it's it's fascinating, right? Because there's nothing necessarily in the New Testament that would say, well, baptism now 
is the replacement for circumcision, right? right? So it's not like a a practice that's declared that says like this is now what you do, but it is a an assumed reality, right? Yep. We see Jesus telling his disciples to baptize people, and it is as we we use that same language an outward sign yep. of something that has changed inwardly, right? Something that has changed by faith. Yes, and so maybe that's interesting to think about as like because some people would maybe see this and they think, well, this was maybe a good, uh, maybe this is a good argument for why like infants should be baptized because if uh, you know Jewish babies were circumcised, you know, eighth day or whatever, well then right. shouldn't maybe b- babies be baptized early on as their right. representation of God's community? So how would maybe you would res- respond to somebody who's thinking through that type of maybe argumentation. Yeah. So, um, first of all, let me just say, you know, uh, it's helpful to recognize, you know, sometimes in my fear, <laughs> when somebody starts talking about something that I don't agree in, mm-hmm. my fear is that I will overreact mm-hmm. or my fear causes me to overreact is what I should say. Yeah. And so I will, I will make the claim, for example, that um, well, anybody who believes in infant baptism obviously is believing in a wrong gospel. Mm-hmm. Okay? I've done that before, mm-hmm. and I'm ashamed of that because mm-hmm. that's, that's actually not true. So we want to be very careful about this. At some point here, we're going to be talking about some things that are kind of a second-order doctrine, not a first-order mm-hmm. you know, gospel issue. Yeah. But uh, it, it's po- if you're trusting in your baptism for salvation, mm-hmm. then, it's, then it's a wrong gospel. It's a false mm-hmm. gospel. But most of our Presbyterian friends, you know, mm-hmm. most of our friends that practice infant baptism are not believing that infant baptism saves. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just saying, no, this is, this is the sign of um, a, a child being part of God's covenant family, mm-hmm. not from a perspective of salvation, but mm-hmm. from a perspective of blessing and kind of mm-hmm. like that, that uh, perspective that we talked about in, mm-hmm. in the advantages of being a Jew from verse verse uh, 12. Mm-hmm. And so they would say, this isn't salvific. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you have to, you're only saved through faith in Christ by God's grace. And so this is just our way of kind of like uh, saying they're, they're part of the blessed, privileged mm-hmm. people of revelation. Okay? Yeah. So, all right. I disagree with that, by the way. I, I don't think that's the best understanding of scripture, mm-hmm. but I, I do think it's appropriate to kind of rightly frame mm-hmm. this discussion it doesn't have to be a salvation issue yeah um we can be brothers and sisters with those who mm-hmm. would disagree perhaps on mm-hmm. the infant baptism question even though again i do not think a proper understanding of scripture is going to un- lead to an infant baptist an infant baptism practice gotcha. does that make sense yeah i think so yeah and i appreciate yeah your your humility with that right just understanding that this is not something that we have to yeah it it could be something where they're trusting in the wrong thing but yes. if it's just yes. more about yeah they're belonging to a community of god's blessed people then i mean okay yeah yeah it's it's not probably where our understanding would lead us to right. but it's not yeah um I think, again, these passages that really speak to the understanding of faith and the connection of faith connected to these signs is is important. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it just it seems like a worthwhile discussion as we, you know, we're coming across it here in um, Ephesians 2. It was 
I know it's not the main point of it, but it definitely yeah. is something that I think would spark some questions in the minds of our yeah. people that's that's worth... Uh, so let me try to give a really... I know our time's out, but mm-hmm. let me just give a really quick answer because I, I haven't even answered your question yet. But, mm-hmm. but uh, so I do not believe that baptism is the New Testament equivalent of circumcision in mm-hmm. the Old. Circumcision was the sign of the Old Covenant, the Mosaic Law. Mm-hmm. It was not for salvation, Mm -hmm. but it was to define who the people of God were. Mm -hmm. The New Testament doesn't tell us what the sign of the new covenant is, Mm -hmm. but I would say um, it's it's so it's not it's not baptism. I can't be dogmatic on this point, Mm -hmm. but it it could likely be the Lord's Supper Mm -hmm. would be the sign of the new covenant Mm -hmm. for God's people. So there's no language in the New Testament that says baptism is the sign. Mm -hmm. But what the baptism does show, or Mm -hmm. excuse me, what the New Testament does show is that baptism is always something that uh, Christ uh, proclaims for us to do with believers, Mm -hmm. okay, that identify the believer with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Yeah, that's a good point. And so it's an identification no longer with the people Mm -hmm. of God. Baptism is not an identification with the people of God like circumcision was. But baptism was a uh, 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 identification with the death, burial, and resurrection Mm -hmm. of Jesus. Yeah. Um, So this is something that God commands us to do, not to save us. Mm -hmm. So there's some similarities and just because mm-hmm. there's an, a similarity that it's an external expression of an internal reality mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, but I would say uh, our time doesn't permit us to talk about this too, far, too much farther, but there is an excellent resource in our resource center called A Biblical Critique of Infant Baptism by Matt Waymeyer. And he does a, a really good, uh, you know, hundred and I guess it's 130 pages here, book-length treatment of the mm-hmm. exegesis, the, the biblical study to help us understand why um, baptism is distinct from circumcision in its purpose mm-hmm. and in its practice in the church. That's perfect. Well, a lot of this week was laying the groundwork for what's coming this week. Any uh, just preview, any just want to give them a taste of what to expect this uh, this Sunday as we jump in and kind of really solidify what the rest of Ephesians 2 uh, is telling yeah. us? Oh, it's so good. It's gospel. It's such good news. It's just talking about how those who are far off have been brought near. Sinners have now been made friends with God. We've been reconciled with each other. We've been reconciled with God all because of the blood of Christ, the cross of Christ, the brokenness of his flesh. And so we get to rejoice in who he's made us to be as the church. We are his people. We are his nation. We are Mm -hmm. his temple and his family. And together we rejoice in that peace that God has made with us. Excellent. We're excited for it. We're especially excited. Second service taking place over at yeah veterans park over in Mackinac this week so if you uh if you're a second service person or if you're a first service one and want to jump over to second service we're going to be doing that outside at the park over in Mackinac at 11 o'clock so not 10 45 but 11 o'clock and that'll be a fun uh way to kind of wrap up the uh second chapter of Ephesians together looking forward to it yeah well thank you so much church enjoy doing this with you each week we'll look forward to seeing you again next week god bless you